0: We are the Coin Boys, your average everyday crypto bros. That's right. It's Andy, producer BTW, back in the intro, and of course Danny Goots.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: Uh, Welcome to a very special Coin Boys Coin Talks episode. We'll get into that in a minute, but first I want to just say thank you for the response we're getting from the McAfee episode, which just posted a couple days ago, so it's fresh. It's yes. still available.
1: You guys have been awesome on Twitter. If uh, if you haven't followed us on Coinboys Podcast, on Instagram, Coinboys Cast, or you can email us at thecoinboys the Coinboys at thecoinboys.com. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play. We appreciate all the love that we've been getting. It's yeah, been amazing. And we're, we want to continue bringing you guys quality
0: crypto podcasting. Uh, and we're we're I mean, I can't tell you that it wasn't just... Really cool to hear you guys enjoying the episode. I enjoyed doing the episode. It's one of my favorite uh, interviews we've done, Daniel. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, because it was a very interesting gentleman.
1: Yeah, I know. And you've been wanting to to talk with him for a while, so I
0: do. And so that was awesome. So uh, uh,
1: moving on from that,
0: uh, I want to talk about if you followed social media, we had the Coin Talks event that I attended for us, uh, and basically the Coin Talks event is sort of like TED Talks for crypto, where you have more of influencers and people a part of cryptocurrency companies talking about more of the space as adoption and growth and technology and what they're sharing in that sense. Yeah,
1: unfortunately, I was not able to attend. This thing, this was kind of a last-minute thing, but it was a really awesome opportunity, so I'm glad that you went, yes. Andy. Uh, and we'll get into your point of view later on in the show.
0: Yes, but I do want to rec- remind people that Dre and Kevin... Are running the event. They're from Coin Labs, and if you are one of our earlier listeners, it was one of our earlier interviews with Coin Labs, and they do a lot of ranking of ICOs and who to look for, and a lot of the ideology that we share uh, on this show about growth and who's behind the companies, who who are you buying crypto from? Like these guys are on top of this. Yeah. Who are you backing? Yes, they are one of the few people that I've seen do crypto conferences where that is one of the main. Uh, you know goals is to preach that you know um and i'm just going to get right into it uh kevin who is kevin Morabi, i liked him to explain what coin talks is and i'm lucky enough to just have been there and uh daniel let's throw to kevin
2: so basically we looked at all the crypto events that have been going on and if you're in crypto if you've been going to just coin market cap or anything like that You've probably seen a lot of ads for crypto events. uh, And it's getting nauseating at this point. Uh, And you don't know what to trust anymore. Just like we couldn't trust those ads for ICOs anymore because they didn't seem to inform very much. They were just a means of shilling and just trying to show, well, here's an event for a thing. We all know uh, the BitConnect conference where the guy yells, BitConnect! Yeah, that was a crypto event, and I'm sure it was well promoted and everything. Of course, we now all know that BitConnect was a big scam, and the offices were raided, and the price of the coin went down, I think, 98% in one day. Uh, So people just don't know where to trust, where to turn. And so we did what we've been doing, and what we were doing with uh, CoinRank, which is let's focus on fundamental values. Let's focus on the fundamental values of an event, and something that people can trust, and let's build a brand identity around that. If you build a brand identity around something people can trust and you keep it that way, then you know people will continue to look at you as the beacon. Um, and that kind of falls in line, I think, in the same as uh, you know Elon Musk always says, "Start from the high end. You're going to build a product or a company or a, any kind of a technology. Start from the high end. Uh, why? Because you know the high-end market they're expecting quality it forces you to pushes you towards quality Uh, you can manage something just concentrated on that quality stuff and people who even if it's not within their range of what they can access they'll still know it as an authority of quality and yeah and to add on that uh, we've had a lot of requests of people who wanted to give uh, their talks and you know the first thing we do is we look at you know what? What are what are they doing? Are we familiar with it? Uh, and just doing the fundamental analysis as we did with CoinRank. You know, the white paper. will read that. We'll look at the team. Uh, if they don't meet our standards, and the fact is many of them did not. Uh, that's it. Uh, and we were given offers of large sums of money, and that's not what that's not what shapes uh, these talks. Um, and it's like well. <laughs> You know, sorry, Charlie, we're trying to build a brand here. I mean, that's really important. Uh, so, yeah, the future, you know, I don't want to say it's going to be, oh, well, when I say TED for crypto, I think it brings a lot of parallels to TED. Uh, and that's fine. That's great. But it should also be something else. It should also be kind of its own space. Uh, I would like to see kind of tiers. Uh, we, As I talked about how people are not overlapping with each other, it's like, yes, yeah, you're talking about a token here. You're talking about dApps over there. You're talking about an exchange over here. Uh, I think being able to see kind of tiers and segments uh, in this space is going to be a very important thing. I think, uh, and we'll start to see overall, uh, you know, there was a time when people would say, like, in, in the 90s or 2000s, like, oh, what, do you, what do you do? It's like, oh, I work in Internet. No one does that anymore. So now it's like, oh, I work in blockchain. Uh, Yeah, that's going to become something a bit more segmented over time. Uh, And so we want to accommodate that, too. But we want to be seen as that kind of beacon. So these talks will be streamed online. We're going to polish them up, get them all schnazzy. And then so we want to just seed it out to the world so everyone can take a look and see what we're going to do. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, so that is Kevin uh, with Coin Labs, who we did have on the show before. He has an ideology that I just mentioned, Daniel, and you hear it in his voice, his passion about what this Cointalks is. That yeah, I tend
1: and to. great reference on, Bit, good timing on BitConnect right the, there. <laughs> that's what I
0: want to point out. His reference to BitConnect is that that was a crypto conference, people, and they were a scam. So what am I trying to say is that Cointalks is trying to avoid uh, getting sucked into being a scam conference, right? And th- they're pushing against that. It's an anti-scamming thing. Uh, now, there's two people in this team behind Coin Talks. Now, I'm going to throw to Dre, who who is um, basically the principal at Coin Labs. And he's a, he's a doctor, uh, and he's a super intelligent man. Uh, we've had him on the show before. He also, just like Kevin, speaks the ideology. But I actually dug into him more on the developer side of crypto. And his talk, Daniel, was about more of the, the languages of cryptocurrency. And I'd like to throw to this interview uh, with Dre. Here we go. And what I
3: talked about is the biggest pain point that I've seen, which is um, everything in this space depends on developers you know it's it, developers created bitcoin developers created ethereum developers created everything that came out um even the founders of these projects they're not some businessmen they are developers through and through so that's really the biggest resource in this space and unfortunately we don't hear from them very much um so What I talked about is a lot of my personal experiences as a developer. In particular, when I started off, um, I was trying to figure out the right type of programming language to use for blockchain development. And the reason why picking the right programming language is really important is it determines everything. It determines how solid your protocol is going to be, how scalable it's going to be, how many people you can involve in it. Um, And so what we see right now in the space is a huge dearth of developers. For every really well-qualified developer, there are 10 open jobs. I've talked to numerous recruiters about this. Um, And then how do we fill this, this need? And one thing we have seen is, you know, to try and fill this need, projects have you know resorted to tapping into uh, folks that know certain languages really well, like JavaScript, but they're not very useful or they're not very robust for blockchain development because of blockchain, everything stacks on top of all the previous transactions. So any error that happens gets super magnified. So that's why I talked about one programming language called OCaml that I've like searched around played around with a bunch, ended up on. And, um, you know, I think that is a great programming language for any developers looking to get into the space or anyone who's serious about blockchain development. So
0: OCaml is just another language to allow you to make a blockchain technology? Is that right? Or am I off base there? I mean, programming languages, you know, they have many
3: purposes. Um Solidity is like an example of a programming language that was built very specifically with the purpose of smart contracts. But for everything else, you kind of have to pick and choose the right language. Um it's like finding the core base ingredient. C++ um was, you know, the the original code for Bitcoin and what C++ does is it's it allows you to execute code really efficiently, really quickly. But there are a lot of problems with it. A, like it can lead to certain unexplicable um, memory leaks. So you could be working and all of a sudden you see the, you know, black screen of death and you don't know where that came from. Um, That makes errors really hard to diagnose. Imagine doing that and like anybody could work on this piece of code. And if you can't diagnose the problem and that, that, it's a collaborative effort. Imagine you and your friends all get together and write a piece of code. And now all of a sudden you see this core dump and you don't know where the error came from. How do you fix something like that? <laughs> you have to get on a call with all your friends and say, okay, who was that guy who did this? And it, it makes diagnosis really difficult, which is why functional programming languages are good because you quickly identify so, getting technical, there's functions or primitives. So, when you see an error, you can trace it back to the function that caused it, and then you go into your piece of code and find that very specific function, who wrote it or who last made an edit to it, and fix that. So, that's one of the main, one of the big benefits of functional programming languages. Um, and there are several out there, like Haskell and OCaml. OCaml is good because it also incorporates some of the features of C++, like object-oriented programming. So it's a good compromise.
0: I think we talked about like this industry. Obviously, there's a lot of misinformation and, and how is how does that affect the development space? Are there a lot of developers that say they know blockchain languages and then are taking jobs and then they don't know what they're doing? Like what is that space like? I know that there's in the trader space everyone's talking moon and like crying when their stuff goes up and down, you know, but developers, how is the misinformation put out in that area?
3: I mean, you know, the typical story, uh, even talking to some of the developers, is they knew JavaScript. They were an average programmer. Then they got interested in blockchain, um, read some articles, you know, learned a few things about coding up a blockchain, and all of a sudden, they updated their resume, and uh, you know, a week later, they changed their LinkedIn title to blockchain developer. So that's the kind of thing we see. And, you know, when we... The, the way to, like, sort through that is you can do interviews, but it's hard in an interview, in a short interview, to really suss those things out. Um, another way is just, like, have they picked up a language that's really difficult? If they have, that means, you know, they can test for the language. So that's one way of overcoming that barrier. Um, like, if I find that someone who's a good OCaml developer... Or a Haskell developer, I
0: know they know their stuff, so that's one way of cutting through that. Uh, finally, last question: um, Just kind of, what do you see for you guys? Where, where's CoinLabs going? Where's uh, Coin Talks going? What, what do you see for the the future in the in the near future for you guys?
3: Well, with Coin Talks, we really um, see this expanding in terms of viewership, in terms of speakers that are coming in. From this first series alone, people will see that it's providing high-quality information um, that's really accessible and that's high production value. So we want more people in the ecosystem, whether they're you know, speakers, whether they're audience members, whether they're organizations that want to partner up, really get involved and with the intent of really building out the community. Because our goal, long-term goal, first and foremost, is the community. A solid community behind everything, a community of developers, community of investors that's what CoinLabs, a lot of our activities have focused on, starting from just building like an l a based community of developers, you know several thousand strong now, um, to like building this to creating this new um, educational videos, high end videos, um, growing this developer community. And also we've done work in the past on building a strong investor community, so we're highly involved in growing the ecosystem, and um, you know we want more partners to um, you know stand alongside us and and work
0: on building this community together, just like you guys so if you guys heard, I mean he obviously knows a lot about the developer space, and I think that a lot of People in the space have no idea about this space. He was talking languages people uh, Different types of languages like Ocap- OCaml, C++ uh, Daniel, what do you think of, of like hearing that from a developer's point of view? Well, it's
1: I've, I've heard this a few times saying that That's one of the biggest problems that they have going on right now in the space is that There's nobody to to develop this stuff they're 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 running scarce also it's because it's brand new it's like people are trying to figure out how to develop it what's the best way to develop it you know it's still in it's still in its infancy and they want to just figure out the best approach to get it going uh there's going to probably be a multitude of languages ultimately in 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 the future that people are going to be using to develop any sort of blockchain technology so it's just nice that they're they're getting it out there and he's promoting that aspect because one it's jobs. That's pretty cool. Yep. And two it's um, It's a focus. It's a, it's a call to action to for those who do believe it To do believe in and I, and I don't know of anybody in the tech space who doesn't believe in blockchain technology
0: Yeah, and uh, I think the the main sentiment for me is that I think people have to realize you're trading all these things Did you realize, though, there's code behind them, that there's people working hard to develop the technology behind this? So just keep in mind and pay more attention to the developers a little bit. And I think they deserve a little bit of love, you know? And, of course, what I asked Dre is... You know, are there developers who are doing what like traders do or, or people in crypto like there's there's
1: people saying they know blockchain
0: development and yeah. saying they change their LinkedIn to blockchain development yes. all of a sudden.
1: Well, I, I just think the reason why we don't really talk to the blockchain to the developers for the most part is um, a, m- a majority of them that I've spoken to are very uh, soft-spoken. They're very private, yeah. Just in general, so it's kind of hard to, especially put them on a podcast. But when we when we can get them, we want to get them. And yeah, absolutely. and
0: Dre is a very well spoken. He, he he was at you know he was the first uh, speaker up at Coin Talks, and I've seen him talk before. Very well spoken, and he's very intelligent, and he's very smart on kind of letting the the normal people in, in crypto kind of understand the developers' perspective. So uh, there's few and far between like Dre. So um,
1: yeah. And he's amazing to talk to. It's, a, it's always a pleasure with him.
0: Now, moving on to something that really excites me, and I know a lot of people have talked about WAX in the space. The other speaker after Dre was William Quigley, CEO of WAX Token. And uh, if you guys know WAX, it is a currency that is involved with skins in video games. And Daniel,
1: you know that excites me. That's something that that whet your whistle there.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) I'm not going to talk any
4: further because I'm going to let William tell you what Wax is. So if your audience are video gamers, they might have heard of Opskins. Opskins is a large marketplace for buying and selling uh, skins, right? Buying and selling skins. And – that is what we call in the crypto space, a centralized marketplace. We didn't used to have that word centralized until somebody said, what about the decentralized stuff? So we realized a couple of years ago that there were certain things we did that would be better if we did them in a decentralized manner. And that led to us create this new blockchain and cryptocurrency called WAX.
0: Great, so, so let me get into, just let me dig a little deeper. You come from a long history of gaming. Um, Could you give me just quick, before we get into more of what WAX
4: is doing, what kind of background in gaming do you come from? Started at the Walt Disney Company many, many, many years ago. We had a, in the consumer products group, we created, after the internet was formed, a bunch of video gaming projects. I'm sure a lot of your audience knows about that. Uh... In, uh, I believe it was about 1998, uh, one of my current business partners invented the concept with Ultima Online, which is uh, not a game anybody under the age of 30 probably has ever heard of, but it was a cool game. Uh, 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 We invented the concept, or he did, of of allowing somebody to buy and sell a virtual item in Altima Online using fiat money. And people were like, holy shit, this stuff's worth something. So I wound up getting on the board of that company as an investor. I was an internet venture capitalist, doing a lot of things in the payment space. My firm was the first institutional investor in PayPal. We did a lot of payment companies outside of the u.s like in india Uh, so payments has always been a big issue right for whether you're buying uh traditional e-commerce or you're doing you're buying deposits or trying to deposit in a video game and so uh what i learned from being on the board of this company that was allowing people to buy and sell virtual items with with uh cash was i learned a lot about all the different video games and of course the the uh the rise of what we call in-app purchases, right? Which, which the Koreans really created, I think, in in early 2000s, and it ultimately took off here maybe in 2010 or 11, and then and then grew. Uh, when I got involved in cryptocurrencies, 2012. Uh, The guy who had invented the concept of buying with with fiat money, uh, uh, Ultima Online Virtual Items, said, hey, there is probably a video gaming angle here, uh, which we were really excited about, but the technology for the first few years was not ready. When we met up with the guys who had founded Opskins, we thought, wow, this is a marketplace for skins. And now the technology is getting pretty good. Maybe now we can allow people to do trading in a blockchain environment. And then in 2017, we thought the technology could handle the processing power that we would need. And so we launched uh, Wax. Now, it turns out it still is not ideal. Having said that, uh, a company called Vigo uh, launched a dApp, which is... A distributed uh, application, and uh, we would think of it as just an app in the real world that you have, like in Google Play or, or the App Store. But uh, in uh, in the blockchain, we call them DApps. So Vigo is a is a uh, a skin with a lot of different varieties. You know, it's like CS Go, and then it's unique. Um, and that launched on the Wax alpha version of the blockchain. I want to say like six weeks ago. It is now, it became in two days the largest distributed application uh, in the world. Uh, about uh, 30 days into it, it became bigger than all distributed game apps, CryptoKitty things. Uh, last week, it became bigger than the transaction volume of all dApps globally. and that's pretty cool on the one hand now dApps globally still aren't that big but there's a number of reasons we can go into why this dApp has taken off but the main reason is we make it so that you don't have to go through the hell to use it unlike most bitcoin or blockchain uh, tools for your audience who's ever tried to trade a CryptoKitty—they needed something called MetaMask. MetaMask, which is like the browser for Ethereum, uh, MetaMask is like was designed to torture people. Right? It's it's abysmal. Uh, it was a good attempt, but it's terrible. So we created our own version of MetaMask called Wax Express Trade, and you need you know username, password. That's it. Not all the other crap. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so I see what you guys
0: are doing, and I love it. And there's a lot of people in crypto that aren't like me where I kind of see this. There's an infancy in gaming, and I'm talking eSports and the explosion of gaming right now. Um, it's We've always been gamers, but now mainstream, normal people play Candy Crush on their phone. They're gamers now. They understand a little bit. But tell me the comparison of gaming... The gaming industry and the crypto industry, kind of both in their infancy sort of, but how powerful is crypto for gaming and gaming for crypto?
4: One thing, I'm really glad you characterized the world as normal people and gamers. Uh, I I applaud that. (laughs) So so, um, here's the thing about video gamers. We're all used to having uh, a community online that has stuff that we want to trade back and forth right so those are digital uh they have value in the case of a really cool dragon lore cs go skin it could be worth forty thousand bucks so it seems crazy to a lot of people who aren't gamers but we get that Oh, they're digital, they have unique properties, right? Every single one is unique. That's the case of some skins like Vigo or CSGO. And so we know people collect them. We know people love to show them off in game, right? Because it is your, it's like an alternative world for us, right? You go into the game and you can dress up your persona, your avatar, or your, your character uh, with unique skins. And uh, it's not something the typical, like, um, everyday person uh, understands. But it's a perfect, perfect application for the blockchain. You're talking about things that are digital, that are transferred back and forth to each other, that could be worth a lot of money, and that require some coordination, often, let's say, with a video game. Uh, and any of you guys who try to trade virtual items in a video game, you know, you know two things. One, a lot of video games don't like trading, right? They punish you or ban your account if you try to do it, which is really bullshit when you think about it. You bought this thing. It's yours. If you want to trade your car, you're allowed to. Ford Motor Company doesn't say, oh, you can't resell that car. But in the gaming world, there's this, there's this resistance, right, by the game publishers, which I don't like. Uh, one reason I don't like is because I think the reason there's resistance is because they think this is negative for their game environment. In reality, yes, in the old days when virtual items had in-game utility so you could sort of pay to win, I got it. But many, many of these items now are strictly cosmetic So if you're allowed to, to, you know, go to the thrift store and swap out one cool jacket for another, why can't you swap out one digital version of that for another? And uh, the answer, I think, is there isn't a reason. So it's going to change. By the way, the thing about Vigo that's pretty crazy is it is not connected to a game. It was it was a bunch of skins that launched without a game. And the point was just like Bitcoin. Bitcoin launched in 2009, and people said, okay, put up these really complex uh, computing gear. Go uh, mine these things. And But what do I do with them when I get them? I don't know. And for a couple of years, no one knew. It is kind of interesting that what was the first thing we figured out what to do with them? Satoshi Dice, a video game, right? The first real application. So I think the video gamers, I said this when we were out uh, talking about WAX last year, I believe the video gaming global community is the real on-ramp for mass market adoption of cryptocurrencies. And I think
0: you're absolutely right. And I think not a lot of people realize that. But I think gamers that like crypto, that know crypto, know both worlds, see it. I see it. Now, you talked about one more thing is Fortnite is an example of a game that doesn't have that kind of weird feeling about buying cosmetics. These people, these kids are dropping $20 on a skin. Epic Games made almost 300 million dollars a month on a free-to-play game that uses skins to purchase. So, in a lot of ways they're getting gamers to be like, "Okay, it's okay to buy skins. It's 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 okay." What do you think about Fortnite and just the Ninja for instance who's exploding? What do you think of just a game like that that's actually doing microtransactions and people are spending money.
4: You rarely have, like, you know, uh, older people who uh, may not even be aware of what these online environments are talking about video games, but it's because it's become this cultural phenomenon. So the fact that skins are such an important component of it just reinforces what we've all been talking about for a long time, which is, Your in-game persona, your digital persona is a reflection of who you are. So, of course, you want to try to uh, present yourself in a unique way. And here's something I think you'll find interesting. Uh, For years, I've been talking to video game publishers, major publishers, and I've been talking to them about, about skins and cosmetics. The majority of them, and I do mean the majority of them, actually argue with me when I say, for instance, you know, CSGO skins are unique. They mean, uh, and they go, oh, you mean like they're, they're like limited edition. I said, well, just to be clear, they're unique as in snowflakes, as in DNA of you. They are unique. There's only one. It's one of a kind. Generally, then they look at me and say, that's not true. Can't be. I'm like, no, no, they're unique. What are the most valuable skins today on earth? CS Go skins. What are the second most valuable skins on Earth? Vigo skins. I think within a few weeks of trading, one was going for seven thousand dollars because they're genuinely unique. That's not the case for Fortnite, right? right? They're oh, this is like rare. And um, for many, many, many years, I tried to convince these video game publishers to make them truly unique, and instead. I figured one day the crypto people would do it and if you're familiar with what we call nfts non-fungible tokens this is called a category of ethereum token where each token is actually unique image it turns out it's crazy the blockchain video gamers are actually the ones who are going to totally embrace the concept of unique skins Everybody would prefer when you go into a store that every single article was unique for you. I like him. Yes,
0: uh, I thought he was amazing. Yeah, William is a super intelligent guy. He's been in gaming. For a long time If you remember I, I actually asked him Did you do you know Roger Walco He says yes This industry is small He knows <laughs> he, He's a, a guy That was with a skin company For many years yeah. um, Has a well, really good understanding Of gaming And cryptocurrency What did you think well, Overall
1: What I like about What, what he said Was the, the one issue That I have with games Today As, as somebody who left Because I used to be All about PS PS2 uh, at the time uh, And then All the other things Around it Xbox uh, Nintendo Nintendo you name it i i was a huge part of that and i left because i had to go study films and do all that stuff for film school and i had to do my focus but when i was i'm trying to come back and it's just what's tripping me out is the the fact that um you're not able to do simple things like trade uh one they're taking away the solid discs with which is just the way the technology whatever i really can't do anything about that um but uh you can still have fun with games. You're taking away, uh, you're, you're connecting everybody and you're also disconnecting the personalization that you can mm-hmm. have with somebody. And I love the fact that he calls it out. Yeah. I love the fact that he's like, this is yours. Yes. Trade it. Have fun. And if blockchain itself can just do that and <laughs> bring back some extra fun, bring back some extra personalization to it, I'm
0: all for it. Yes, and... And if you guys are fans of the show and have listened to us, we are very gaming centric because I'm a big gamer, obviously, and I worked in gaming. And uh, this is another great interview of an example of the growth in cryptocurrency uh, and, and video games, Daniel. And I love, love... Uh, I feel like I should have had this at E3 in the E3 episode. It's so great. I hope. Um, I yeah, actually, I'm shocked he wasn't at E3. In fact. Um, I don't know if they were. I didn't ask him, but I know the only one that had an actual um, booth was Engine Coin, uh, from mm-hmm. what I know, my knowledge.
1: From from your my from walking, walking around E3, yeah.
0: looking at the press kits and stuff like that, I knew Engine Coin had a booth. But long story short, is that I got to talk to him even further off of the show. We talked about video games he loves PUBG. he plays you know player unknown definitely want
1: to get him back on the show he loves
0: first person shooters um definitely want to do something more in depth with wax Uh, and i know there's a lot of people out there so maybe you know that might be a coin of the show in the future i i i think it would be cool but
1: what i do like about the non-fungible tokens and i i'm all for jumping you know early adoption on the non-fungible tokens because you're not putting up any money it's you're not losing anything it's you're just supporting a technology that could be really fun um i would like to see where outside of gaming these non-fungible tokens can be can be done i don't really see too much other than maybe club points or something like that but the it's there it's fun we can like you don't have to just it's not just about investing and just about about you know going to the moon and lambos it's it's you know you can play i like playing
0: I, so. I like playing too. And so that was the second speaker. Dre went first, then Andrew went up and spoke. And then we have a, th- a third speaker that was there. And forgive me if I say his last name wrong, but it's Andrew Gazdecky, uh, CEO of Altcoin.io. And they are uh, technically a decentralized exchange coming out soon. But I'll let Andrew uh, explain for himself.
5: Alcoin.io is building a decentralized exchange that allows uh, two individuals to trade cryptocurrency securely, peer to peer. To dive in on that a little bit more, we're using what's called a layer two plasma sidechain approach. And the reason for that is most decentralized exchanges today in the market are typically slow to use due to long on chain transaction times. So we're looking to address that and build uh, the first cent- or excuse me the first decentralized exchange that can compete with a centralized exchange in terms of transactional output, user experience and high liquidity as well. Shouldn't all of cryptocurrency trading and purchasing be be done on a true decentralized platform? Um, that's a good question. I would argue no, because there are truly decentralized exchanges currently in the market today. I think BitShares is a good example. Um, BISC is also a good example. Um, But when we launch, we're actually going to be a semi-decentralized exchange. And we're decentralizing what we believe to be the most important aspect of exchanges, which is the actual custody of your funds. So users will have full control over their tokens at all times. But When you start to decentralize other parts of the exchange from what we've just seen in the market it really lowers the adoption rates from users because it's really complicated you have to download an application you have to run it on the Tor network you have to connect with other people using that application and all of that friction reduces people from using the exchange and thus lowers liquidity and the biggest issue with having low liquidity on an exchange is If you go and trade at a certain market price and there's not enough liquidity, it's just not profitable. So we're looking to address those problems and stair-step into a fully decentralized exchange. But from what we've seen based on other decentralized exchanges being fully decentralized and the friction points it takes to get those exchanges up and running and used by people and um, traders... Um, We're looking to take uh, more of a steer-step approach where we're decentralizing the most important aspect where you can um, know that your tokens are in your control at all times, but you can also withdraw your tokens at any time. And those are really the main complaints when you actually use a centralized exchange. Is it going to be hacked and can I withdraw my tokens?
0: So with your platform, your money is not on there. Is that correct? The the consumer has it in their wallet and it purchases it through your exchange or how is that going to work?
5: Yeah, so when you trade through IO, we have no access to your private keys. You're in full control of your tokens at all times. And that's what we really believe to be the most important aspect of decentralizing a cryptocurrency exchange. So number one complaint, um, it's the most crucial part because if it's hacked, your funds are lost. And it also gives you control to trade when you want, but also know that your tokens aren't being left in harm's way should someone... Um, hack the exchange or some malicious activity happens. What was the main point of your talk here at Coin Talks? Yeah, so I spoke on how critical it is that others creating blockchain applications or decentralized applications really focus on creating great user experiences. Because right now the reality is a lot of decentralized applications or blockchain technology is not being used in mass markets and for this market to really reach a multi-trillion dollar market cap we should really be designing for the users of tomorrow and not just the users of today and right now there's a lot of uh you know technical words that we use in the blockchain space that are familiar to those that are cryptocurrency enthusiasts but um, for a lot of other people, this stuff is is very complex and very confusing. And we're, we're building very, very complicated networks and systems. And so I basically spoke about how important creating amazing user experiences can be and what the end result of that is. And that's more user adoption and thus making your project more valuable.
0: Yeah, so that's Andrew, who I was lucky enough to uh, uh, get an, a quick interview from about decentralized exchanges daniel so what do you yeah. think of andrew's no, point of view
1: um or all kind.io? i'm starting to, what i'm like i'm liking the trend that i'm starting to see is we have problems in the space and now we're starting to see answers to those problems answers uh which which one being get your coins off the exchange you need control over your own particular coins uh know. I know Bancor kind of does this uh, to they an got extent hacked, as well. But, but they got hacked.
0: They got hacked uh, in their wallet that was on their. Ex- they happen to be some sort of like decentralized exchange that had a wallet also. And that wallet, if you had anything in the wallet on Bancor, it would get, you know, hacked. But yeah. you could also use MetaMask in a decentralized peer-to-peer fashion. Just like Andrew said... And I made him reiterate just so we made sure that we had access to our private keys. And he's right. It's peer-to-peer, meaning you're not leaving anything on the altcoin.io exchange. Exactly. Th- and that is one of the biggest uh, caveats for me and like where I think exchanges should go. But he had a very good perspective about how it's not necessarily complete decentralization of exchanges. I don't know if you you heard yeah, how he no, that
1: Yeah, that. That uh, no, I thought that was a great question that you had asked him because you know, the question in the future is decentralized, decentralized, uh, what are what are we doing? What's best for everybody? And he had a, he had a good answer to that. Um, again, we're hoping for full decentralization in the future. Absolutely. But it's gonna take a while. It's gonna take a long time and the, and the logistics behind it are, you know, what if something happens? What, who do you go to? What do you do? How do you get it back? You know, that, that becomes a huge question because you don't want decentralization to completely screw somebody over.
0: And finally, there was one more speaker, and it's Sam Casmian from Everypedia. And, of course, pedia in the name. Daniel, what does that tell you? Wikipedia. Yeah, so it's kind of like a blockchain-centric Wikipedia. But I'm just going to throw to Sam. Let Sam tell us about it a little bit.
6: Uh, Hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. So Everypedia is like the decentralized uh, Wikipedia. It's self-sustainable. Editors and curators actually earn token rewards for uh, creating articles and and curating them. Uh, It's completely built on the EOS blockchain. So that basically means that we as a company that's developing the actual open source software don't have any say in like what the content is or who can use it. It's permissionless. Anyone with an EOS account uh, and IQ tokens, which are the tokens of, of the actual DAP, uh, can use it. Um, and it's basically an example of a consumer application that's completely on the blockchain.
0: So what kind, of, what kind of, you said it's like Wikipedia,
6: but what kind of information are we going to be seeing on this kind of site? So um, essentially, we're actually a original fork of Wikipedia. So we actually have every article from Wikipedia started out on Everypedia. So we actually have theirs plus a lot more content. And we have the same content policy. It's free, right? It's on a blockchain. So everything is reusable and completely not owned by anyone, uh, which is cool because that's what Wikipedia is, Creative Commons. Um, and so essentially, it's basically, you know, it, it would be fair to say, It's kind of like Wikipedia, but with a greater scope because there's a lot of uh, new content and the uh, old content that you'd find on Wikipedia is improved and, and kept up to date. Obviously,
0: you'll have a huge library of crypto centric stuff, I'm assuming, right?
6: Yeah, of course. So like one of the first things uh that it's becoming is basically a crypto crunch base, right? Like for startups, everyone goes to Crunchbase to see who the founders are, but everyone uh basically really wants to get their projects on Everypedia, basically have an article so people can actually learn about it. Um and I think that basically the first big niche is obviously crypto.
0: Yeah, so this Daniel is very different. Uh di- and different in a way that look, this is not really a cryptocurrency. They're using blockchain technology for articles like Wikipedia. What but do you think? But they are being
1: tipped. So th- I want to know how that how that works. Eventually, it's very curious. Um, I'm curious to the benefit of this because you know off the off the surface, I can't think of of anything in particular that that would warrant the use of the blockchain technology, other than the fact that it stays on there forever, which is good, and uh, clearly it's being allowed to be edited so that's an updated so that's wonderful as well and you know people do a lot of hard work on wikipedia i've seen a lot of people put up articles so they deserve a little change i want to know how that works yes as
0: well. S- so i i mean I, I i know it's a reward system for wikipedia style blockchain technology and yeah. it, and i think that's cool i mean it's like anything else how there's dtube now that you know is videos yeah. to give you earning Can and you steam, steam it, it. Yeah. and uh, dsound for decentralized sound clouds but this is for information. And, you know, you can't... You, I, I don't have a problem with sharing information in this way, and I, I'm really curious to actually get to... Uh, I did speak to Sam about interviewing them further. Yeah, um, because
1: I have a lot of questions. I do,
0: and I'd love to talk to them about uh, Everipedia a little bit further. Uh, but, Daniel, it was a pleasure to have not only Kevin and Dre come on, but these other three speakers like Sam and William... And, of course Andrew uh, it, it was excellent to learn about decentralized exchange gaming to, uh, skin to you know cryptocurrency yeah. technology which we've talked about in the past uh, uh, Wikipedia style blockchain technology which we just finished with Sam what do you I mean overall what did you think about just in general the speakers at the show? That it's I, not th-
1: I wish I was there to hear their full their full and I know you were busy interviewing you couldn't even because
0: I was busy interviewing a lot of people. Uh, in between the conferences, which I was uh, grateful for Kevin and Dre to let the Coin Boys kind of do that. So I was kind of the field kind of talking to a lot of the people there too, besides the speakers. So I do have a surprise for people right now. Um, and Daniel, I, I just asked random people different questions about crypto. But remember, the last time I did this, I was at E3 with a lot of people that didn't know what crypto was. Yes. So these are a little bit more uh, educated educated people uh, in crypto. And you'll hear that I pretty much ask a question to each person and move on to the next. So uh, check it out. How did you personally get into crypto? Personally got into crypto about two years ago. Um, and about my first Ethereum or Ether back then was the first project I invested in. Um, one of my co-workers, uh, his son was really big into crypto and we were talking about it at a, um, a company party and it just kind of went from there. And I threw a couple hundred bucks in, and
1: now I was hooked. Uh, what do
0: you think about crypto, its future in the next 5 to 10?
1: Uh, well, I'm Well, I probably not the right person to make a prediction, but definitely I can say that technology is a uh, kind of fundamental technology that can like uh, make a big change in diff- different part of industry. So I'm talking about the blockchain.
0: Sometimes these events could you know do you have to be wary about the the events you go to depending on like who's speaking and what feels right because there's a lot of misinformation out there
7: so how do you feel about something like that like yeah i mean i think you know i think if you tried to attend every single crypto conference you'd have to go to five a day at this point so you certainly have to do some weeding out um you know for, for me personally i i think all conferences you have a good chance of meeting somebody but it's a little bit of a crapshoot um, in terms of a networking thing. And then from an education standpoint, I think it's really just as much as you can absorb. I mean, this is this is new technology. This is a new space for everyone. There, there are no experts, even the ones who claim to be experts yet. And the more, you can, uh, the more you can absorb, the more you can learn, the better. And then, you know, as you get smarter and better at this, then you'll learn what to filter out and what to accept. So you're from China?
1: Yeah, I'm from China.
7: And um,
0: how did you get into crypto?
1: Actually, the first study is about a hackathon, and I, I, I know something about this and we're classmates so we share the same class so I do a discussion about blockchain, blockchain in my distribution system class so wow. that's everything.
0: I think how important do you think, do you think there's like a cloud for people in the industry where they don't really think about adoption they're just thinking about money and how much they're going to make and I think that's an issue personally but what do you think of that? I think that's the majority of pe- what people are interested in crypto, are just are just for the speculation and. Uh, but I think there are there are little uh, technical uh, merits to what they're developing, and I think we've yet to see the. I don't know the, bill- Facebook use case of it. You know, right. just like, um, but right? Yeah, right now it's all speculators and just people trying to make a quick buck. What do you think of it, just from your personal uh, perspective?
5: I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. I work in consumer products, and the supply chain side of it would definitely benefit from having the blockchain as part of like managing your inventory and the transit of goods.
0: Is doing your own research that important?
7: Absolutely. And like alongside doing your own research, what else matters is like finding the fundamental papers and the fundamental reasoning and truly understanding that before jumping into, like, the applications and, like, the whole, um, the whole like, dream of, like, becoming a millionaire through crypto, like, don't get into that, like, bullshit, like, you know, like, read the fundamentals, understand the basic mathematics, uh, at the end of the day, it's a bunch of numbers, it's a bunch of computers doing things, uh, understand how value is being created, I feel like most people also are, like, very confused about where's the actual value, like, what does one Bitcoin mean, what does Ether mean, like, am I getting computing, am I getting money, like, understand what's going on and then kind of like take a decision if you want to get into it or not get into it it's totally okay not being in the space but he- being intrigued by it or like reading up on it or something it's not like a fundamental rule or like it's not like a, a forcing like rule that you have to be in it to be um, successful or be like rich in your life like if you're not um, interested in the fundamental principles or like the fundamental reasonings and passions? Don't don't get into it.
0: Yeah. So that I mean, listen, that was normal people that are attending these events, and I think it's important. It's always about the people on the stage, but it's not always Daniel. It's it, nice to hear from normal. It's
1: nice to know that there are people because they as as nice as they were and everything. They didn't sound too thorough into their knowledge of the space and so it's nice to know that people are willing to go to these talks and 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 do and do a little bit of research um but before we wrap it up i did want to ask you some questions sir uh because i didn't go i've not and we see these advertisements all the time for like uh, attend this talk attend this talk and the prices for these tickets are insane these coin talks prices were actually very reasonable. Very reasonable. And,
0: you know, I mean, definitely reasonable. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: For 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 what it sounded like
0: you got, it was pretty good. Actually, there was just... Uh, uh, it was full of informative information. Kevin and Dre did an excellent job. And it's their first one. Mm-hmm. And I'm, they're just going to get better, and a, better as they get. Yeah. And bigger. And they said they're going to be traveling, Daniel. This isn't just going to be an L.A. thing. This is like TED. Like, they're going to... They, they want to move around. Yes. Um, and which is key.
1: Which is key. Absolutely. So, uh, um... You've—is this your first talk, kind of like that, that 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 you've been to? That do you mean in general? In general, because I know you you had met Kevin and Andre Dre, per, or, or I heard went about him prior. I met them at
0: one of my fir- so I went to a few uh, blockchain meetups. I I found Kevin and Dre on a blockchain meetup. They started doing an early thing on meetup.com, and I saw this awesome which in the CoinLabs interview back way when, Daniel, in our early days. Back in the back day. in the day when we you know we started, uh, it was called the data um, driven evaluation event. And it's Dre and Kevin 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 introed Dre and Dre talked about how to research ICOs. And very much the fundamentals of how you used to think, Daniel, and how you kind of taught me. And Dre and and Kevin did, too, how you research the people behind the coins. They have a system for ranking ICOs. Yes. So that is something that they actually are specializing in. And Dre is is a very intelligent guy, has a lot of experience. Um, And I think that what they're trying to do at Coin Talks, and you heard it from them, them, them themselves, is that... They're 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 handpicking people that make sense that they want to share to normal people that might be into crypto or ready into crypto the right people it's like it's like the non shill conference it meaning and
1: I d- and that exists because Kevin and Dre are are doing yes. it so no I mean so assuming that. S- you, uh, obviously, you probably have to pick and choose which which conferences you end up going to, and you couldn't go to Coin Talks because you don't live in LA or whatever. You know, you want to, you have to be very careful which ones you go to. But let's assume that they're not trying to shill. Would uh, would you say it's absolutely beneficial? This is something that, that most people should do, or do you think?
0: I think the best part of any conference, you know, depending what who, wherever it is or whoever it is, is the networking and the people you meet. Now, I got emailed by a few people already, Daniel, that I met at the event and that I interviewed. And you heard there was only like six or seven people I put in that little thing. But I interviewed maybe, I'd say, 15 15 people in total that were just visiting. And just me interviewing and talking to these people, I had conversations after I talked to them because networking in this industry is best at conferences well, and I mean that's
1: networking is great for us but like an average person just coming in to learn is networking
0: Daniel, important for them there everyone was talking in the lobby waiting for it to start we had breaks and everyone every time I've gone to one of these I see people talking to each other
1: yeah which is awesome but like but I'm w- saying for like networking for connection we we, yes. we go there for yes. connections that's fine but the yes. average person who's just investing just holding they're not trying to do something like we're doing in terms of a podcast, um, is networking important for them or is the information definitely valuable for them? What, what, How does somebody who is not having a podcast or a business that's in the blockchain benefit from something like this?
0: I saw, uh, I didn't get to talk to her. There was a woman there with a notebook and she had no company she was just interested in the technology. And I saw her go to all the speakers, including talking to me, about asking questions and, and, and learning. So if you are the average Joe, guess what? We do the average podcast for average crypto people. The average person can go and you could walk up to maybe the CEO of Wax that just spoke and ask him questions to your leisure because that's how friendly everyone was. And I think that that is the goal Daniel is learning. Mm, that's awesome.
1: So that's my main... That's I really say, cool. Yeah. Uh, do you feel... Um, wow, I'm being interviewed. No, I, I am. I'm, I'm asking you because here's the thing. We see these all the time. And like, No, like, there are absolutely and, terrible and, ones. And, and, and what did Kevin say about BitConnect? That,
0: that was, was a, a crypto conference, everybody. Yeah. I mean, People paid for tickets, went to it. They didn't know it was a scam. And they got scammed. And they got scammed. Badly, yes.
1: So what going into a crypto conference how would you recommend that our listeners who want to go to a crypto conference whether it be coin talks or everybody else mentally go in to this my 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 thing would be if they're an ico be weary but listen to their technology side listen to what they say about the technology at the very least but always do your research afterwards before investing in the ico but um do you have any other kind of uh, tips for them to come in mentally To to a talk like this I think you have to be First of all Don't be shy
0: um, Is the number one thing Because you're going to go This isn't like going to a movie Or an, uh, to an event Where you buy tickets And you sit at a seat You do that But every one of these events There's always time In between the talks uh, In the lobby Before they open it Talk to people Do not be shy I honestly am saying that Is one of the most important things Network Even if you don't have a company Learn and I love these things, and I can't wait to take Daniel. And you know me, Daniel. I, and yeah. listen, people, I'm not saying that if you are introverted and like maybe you are a shy person, you should, you could still go enjoy
1: the talks. But I, w- I will say this as somebody, because yeah. I, I, we went to a meetup not too long ago uh, with some of the Satoshi droppers. Um, Shout out to Wendio. What's up? And we, um, I just enjoyed having people who understand uh, where I'm coming from. Who under- like, and I know you really appreciate having other people who really enjoy crypto and and speaking about crypto because it's kind of difficult to go to your average person. Your you, probably you may be the only person you know that likes Bitcoin or that likes crypto. Uh, so it's it's nice so- to just connect with somebody else
0: i've always myself looked at myself as the average everyday crypto bro that's what our sentiment sentiment is now mm-hmm. have we grown doing the podcast daniel and i i think are more informed than we ever have been yes so i i am different than the the, the little average andy that was an early adopter that just loved it for its technology because i did i mm-hmm. did i did I was. I got into Bitcoin at a time when technology was more important than than ho- hodling. And who could you talk to about it? I talked to the people on Reddit in the cl- the nichiest of places. People in the internet, but in person, who could you talk to? I could. I had a hard time. I yeah. I was actually made fun of. Yes. I, I was working on Ninja Warrior. If you want me to just tell you a quick story. Go about for this. it. Working on American Ninja Warrior. I, I worked in reality TV, and at the time, I was purchasing. This was 2012. I was purchasing. BTC for the first time ever in my mm-hmm. life. And I discovered how to do it. I spent the time to do the research. That was the part that I loved about my experience. I discovered it. Mm-hmm. But I, Daniel, I spent almost a month researching until I decided I'm doing I'm gonna it. I'm going to get some. I'm going to get some. So I was doing it. And I was like, guys, I remember being on my computer, literally buying another BTC at work. <laughs> and I said, guys, uh, so there's this Bitcoin thing I've done a lot of research on. They're like, I don't know, man. You're crazy. <laughs> what are you? I'm not giving you any of my money. Yeah. And then I remember this one guy, and he was a very intelligent guy. And one day, like a week later, he walked over slowly and he goes, So, can you tell me a little bit about this Bitcoin thing? I'm kind of interested. And I didn't want everyone else to hear me ask the question. <laughs> I said, Daniel, let's go to lunch. There you go. And I told, that was the first time I explained cryptocurrency, besides my girlfriend at the time, what it was and that was so rare mm-hmm. and i don't think anyone realizes that people are on twitter writing moon hot hodl all this stuff back in those days i had to go to lunch with some guy that had to sneak up to me and ask me to tell <laughs> me about it <laughs> Would so think want about it you have to buy though. some crypto <laughs> hey hey can you can you tell me
1: about hey, this uh, bitcoin Listen, right i'm just
0: then there was, uh, my ex-girlfriend was the smartest. She actually took the time to pay attention to me and listen to me. She saw it in my, in my passion. Mm-hmm. She knew me, but she understood like the passion, so she got it. And I was able, to she spent the time, because she was forced to, because we were together. Yeah. So she had to listen to me, and it eventually popped in her head, and she's like, okay.
1: See, I'm like, because, so I grew up in a very religious family and they would always constantly talk about religion and stuff like that. so I always approached it as kind of, let must be exhausting. It was so exhausting. (laughs) It was especially because, you know, I, you know what you know now and science and stuff. So I'm not saying, you know, uh, when they were approaching me, it was just like, okay, I'm done with listening to this. But, Talking about Bitcoin was almost like talking about religion. Like you you had exactly. to. Yeah. So I didn't want it's to force to anybody on. So I was kind of like, hey, guys, check out Bitcoin. And if anybody bit off of that, and all you have to do is say the word Bitcoin and they'll buy it off of that. And if they do, then you can get a conversation going. But it's nice to have these meetups where you don't have to like say, hey, man, are you into Bitcoin? Yeah. It's kind of like say, hey, man. That's a good crack. example. <laughs> guys, <laughs> but just keep in mind,
0: we are still a part of like, less than 3% of the world that that like I don't even know what the percentage is anymore so there are still people out there that don't know what crypto is and are are, are kind of weirded out by it mm-hmm. but we're hoping to change that.
1: Yeah. Um we're hoping to make it easy for them to come in and enjoy.
0: Yeah, so bottom line guys, get out to events if you can in your local areas. Look up at meetups. Meetup, meetups.com, Facebook groups. Uh, there's ample places. And then here's the number one thing about coin talks is that they shot this, so guess what? They're not only giving you the ability to see it live, the whole point is to treat it like they can share it to everybody. So that's the best part of Coin Talks. Which is awesome. Yes. And they did Daniel, very professional. They had a three-camera setup. You know me. Yeah. I'm, I'm in production. Yeah, no, he's big on that. Kevin Dre, I was very impressed. And I want to thank you both for inviting the Coin Boys as usual. And I hope to attend maybe a Coin Talks in another state. Which would be really awesome to get some perspectives outside of Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you have not heard the first coin talk, uh, the first um, coin. interview with Coin Labs, yep, uh, definitely check take a look in the description. It's on the description. It's on the description, right then in there. Um, follow us on Twitter at coinboyspodcast Instagram at coinboyscast, email us at thecoinboys, the at thecoinboys.com, Rate, review, us, subscribe, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Cointalks.tv, TV, guys. Take care.